Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, Associate Producer and Starista's Creative Copy Manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Sam Houston, Chief Strategy Officer at 3Q Digital. He discusses the importance of client diversification, as well as the push for authenticity in marketing. He also delves into why false urgency is always a bad tactic. AJ gets another nickname, and Vincent mails some socks. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first recorded episode at least of 2021 of the marketing stir happy new year you guys at by the time this comes out you'll be like really are you still saying happy new year it's like june it won't be that long it won't be that long oh my goodness we are so happy to be back i'm here hosting this what a crazy year, obviously, but what a great year as far as the marketing stir goes when AJ and I and the producers thought of doing a podcast. I think our first episode, there was like maybe 87 listeners that we've grown to, you know, 44,000, hopefully more by the time this comes out. Listeners and amazing guests. It'll take too long to name them all. But if you look at some of the B2C brands that we learned from, right? Regal Cinemas, Pearl Vision. We also learned from B2B brands like SAP, InnoMinds, Amazon, amazing agencies that we've spoke to on the B2B and B2C side. Mechanism, Shermer, Stein IAS, the list is too long to go through, and we are very fortunate to have a list like that. I'm very fortunate to have this co-host, ladies and gentlemen. You've heard him on the podcast with me, the pride of Starista and San Antonio, Mr. A.J. Gupta. What's going on, A.J.? I thought I was the slayer of San Antonio, but I like this pride of San Antonio. Pride of San Antonio, I do a different intro. At least I try every time. The, you know, the San Antonio Slayer. I, there's so many I, I could go through. Uh, you know what? I'm going to try to return the favor this year. We'll do reverse introductions. <laughs> I like it. I like it. The, uh, the king of WeWorks. That's it. The king of we. I'm out of WeWork. I like it. I like the spirit of Starista. How about that? I recently... Uh, I don't take this thing lightly. I was awarded the Spirit of Starista Award this year at our annual awards. And there's only a few of those awards that go out. Let's not make it seem like everyone's getting an award. I know this is 2021 where everyone needs to get an award. But hey, I am very prideful that I received that award. I love that there. But yes, the pride of Starista and San Antonio you are, AJ. Come on. Yeah, no, I think uh, you'll be getting that uh, engraved and shortly on your desk uh, whenever the postal service gets around to it. I love it. I love it. How were the holidays for you, AJ? What's good? It's good. It was different than usual. Obviously, we had our virtual summit this year instead of the uh, big holiday get together and the sales training we do. So different, but I would say we are fortunate uh, all of us to be here and uh, we are as a company uh, growing through the pandemic 
So even though it's a new world, I think we've adapted very well. Yeah, I think so. Did you get those socks I sent you? I did. I was hoping you didn't bring him up because I was going to save it for the next episode. Oh, yeah. It's it. Well, you said you were going to save it. That's okay. You can wear them for the next episode. I can bring it up on the next episode. I'm going to bring it up on every episode until I see you wear them. How about that? I, I got a, you know, that was for a job well done. AJ, uh, you know, a lot of CEOs, I, I hope do this, but AJ, often when we will come on and help uh, you know, with new client pitches and, and we were uh, awarded some amazing new business from a new client with AJ's help, we, which is amazing. We love all of our clients and that was uh, very, I'm very thankful for that, AJ. So I sent you three or four pairs of engraved uh, socks. I certainly to- appreciated it. Uh, it didn't have your name on it. So I really thought the sock company was trying to uh, just say thank you. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank uh, shout you for out, your business. Shout out for nice laundry. That's who did it. Maybe they will send me some. VJP are my initials. So uh, send me some more. But enough about that. Again, I mentioned so many great companies that we've had on, uh, so many great agencies. We have another amazing agency. I'm so glad I was introduced to this agency, to this gentleman who's going to be joining us on this call. What a great way, ladies and gentlemen, to kick off 2021 as far as the recorded episode we have other episodes already coming out that i hope you enjoy i know you'll enjoy but please help me welcome we've got 3q digital on today ladies and gentlemen and we've got the chief strategy officer ladies and gentlemen please welcome sam houston what's going on sam not much thank you very much i'm i'm incredibly honored to be the the first person this year i think you know, coming off of last year, which was such a crazy year, it's it's really great to be here. And I think this is just a great way to start the year. So thank you very much for having me. We're happy to have you, Sam. We wanted to learn more about 3Q Digital. We want to learn more. I love this title, right? Strategy Officer. Yeah. It, it's come up on a few more, but, uh, you know, I'll get into that in a moment. You're, you're calling in from Denver. People could see of those who are viewing us on YouTube. We were joking earlier on you know, and the pre-call there where Sam's in a beautiful basement. That's not a background. That's his actual no, basement. That's my actual basement. I, I love it. And now me being living in New York City, I was like, well, what's a basement? San Antonio apparently doesn't have basements either. I just learned that a little while ago. I don't know what that's about. I guess maybe they don't dig into the, the ground. Yeah, what's about? I, I don't think you could really dig into the rocky layers we have so that makes sense yeah but they could do it in denver that's the rocky mountains out there i don't get it but (laughs) (laughs) oh no sam i know uh what do i know i'm just uh you know just a new yorker here i have no idea but anyway sam tell us about first off 3q digital yeah 3q digital is a uh, full service growth marketing agency um we were started i think about 12 years ago really focused on search and and you know, SEO and SEM and, and over time have evolved and now we're, we have a full service creative team. We have, we're working across all digital channels and we're really focused on driving performance for our clients across those digital channels. That's awesome. I'd love to, we're going to get into more on, yeah. on some of the clients that you serve and who would be yeah, yeah. an ideal client for you there. You know, chief strategy officer, right? Is, is that, uh, tell us about that. I love, I love that title. It's, it's, uh, a fairly new title, I think, out there, right? Because it's one of those the growth strategy. It's a, necess- yes. a very necessary title. But talk to us about what you're doing there for 3Q Digital. To walk us through a day in the life. 
Yeah, so the, the, the strategy title is an interesting one. I think it's an evolving role within agencies. I think historically it's really been focused on clients and helping clients to make purposeful choices about what they should do across media. And I think more and more it's, it's, it's become more twofold. So for me, not only am I working across clients and helping clients to start to make those purposeful decisions and be really intelligent about who they're talking to, where they're talking to them, how they're speaking to them, what media channels they're using, how they're using those channels, but it's also, there's also an agency aspect to it. So what are we doing as an agency to continue to evolve? I mean, I think we've all felt the, the need to be more agile through, through the pandemic and through what happened last year. Um, we need to be very quick on our feet and, and thinking strategically as a business is more important too. So my role is really twofold, you know, spending time with clients and, and writing strategies and developing strategies for clients but also thinking about the agency and where we need to go next. What are the services we need to build out? What are the changes we need to make within our existing services to be on the cutting edge, to make sure that we're always delivering best in class work for our clients. And so, you know, a typical day in the life is a little bit of both. You know, I, I have times where, I'm, where there's some really internal focused conversations about are we, how are we delivering search? Are we best in class in search? What are we doing with data? What are the data resources we need to make sure our teams are, are really well informed. Um, you know, how are, how are we going to approach commerce in 2021 for our clients? What does that look like? Um, but also there's times, you know, when I'm spending time talking to clients and helping them to try to think strategically about the challenges they're facing. You know, I think clients are, you know, so much has changed. There's so much volatility in the marketplace. Um, there's just a greater need for more strategic thinking. And Sam, I saw you also majored in English, much yeah, like me. Uh, so how did you get into the media and marketing world from there? You know, for me, so it's interesting. My, my father um, was a radio announcer his entire career, so very similar. Um, and, and into the advertising side, my, my great-grandfather was actually a, an art director, uh, he he was the uh, he did the original drawing of the Morton Salt girl when it rains it pours and so oh, it, yeah. it, it always had, had had always been on my radar and it was something that I that I had thought about and then um, after college uh, you know I, I took the requisite year off and ski if you live in Colorado you grow up in Colorado you got to spend a, a winter skiing so I did that um, I wasn't I had I had done some internships in marketing and I had a buddy who actually moved to San Francisco at the time and started working at an agency and he said, you know, I got to come out and try it. And so that was the impetus. I, I after a, after a, a season in the, in the mountains, I packed up my truck and moved to San Francisco and got an agency job. The cool thing was, I think from an English perspective, you know, I started, I started in a, I started at YNR in their media department. And, and, you know, I think just the ability to create narratives around target audiences and how those audiences move through the world was really interesting. I think it aligned with um, where I was going from an English perspective. And it's something that I really fell in love with. Yeah, I think that's the nice thing about the English major is it's so flexible. You see Absolutely. English majors in a lot of different facets of life. And I think it teaches you critical skills in terms of pulling those insights out, you know, reading, sifting through lots of material, pulling out the powerful points and, and, and then making sense of those powerful points in the, in the context of the larger world. And I think um, that's a skill set that you can apply in lots of different ways across uh, lots of different industries. So obviously, Sam, uh, in the last 12 months have been uh, 
you know, hard on a lot of the large agency holding companies yeah. and uh, the revenue has been declining for, for them in general, but in particular after the pandemic. How have you guys coped with the pandemic? Uh, have you made any pivots or changes that have helped you get through it? Yeah, we've, we've been uh, very fortunate to weather the pandemic fairly well. We haven't had a, a huge impact. It's, 2020 was a, a, was a great year for us from a business standpoint. Um, but we did have to make some, some pivots. You know, I think one of the things that helped us is um, we have three different business units within 3Q. So we have 3Q Accelerate and Incubate, which are designed to service some of the smaller clients. We have 3Q Digital, which is sort of the, the hub of where we sit. And then we have um, 3QE, which is our enterprise clients. And so having that client diversification allowed us, positioned us really well to weather the clients, weather the, the pandemic. So we had, you know, as all agencies experienced, we had some clients that were pretty severely impacted and budgets went to zero. And, and you know, the, we had to uh, work less with those clients. But overall, because of that diversification, we were able to, to weather the, the pandemic fairly well. I think the other thing is that we had a pretty flexible working, working style going into that. And so the, the migration to 100% remote work was less impactful for us. And immediately one of the things we started was created a committee around um, a productivity committee to, to, to think through what, did, what remote work looks like for us and start to think through some of the things and how we start to replicate the things that are great about an office. So when you're in an office, there's lots of really wonderful things in terms of how know-how is shared and, and the, the small conversations that happen in between meetings where, you're, where a lot of the learning and knowledge sharing happens and that instantly goes away when everyone's remote. And how do we start to create that? The other thing that I think is really important is, is just the idea of serendipity and happenstance. And those are critical in driving innovation. When you don't have an office or a shared location, those are things that go away. And so our productivity task force is really focused on bringing that sense of serendipity to a, to a remote environment, bringing, really starting to examine, examine how, we, how we start to share know-how in a remote environment. And I think just even starting to think through that and test different things and realize that things were never going to be as they were has really helped us to, to manage through the, the pandemic. And let's talk about San Francisco. You, you, yeah. when, you, when you were there, you moved there. Was, was that, what was kind of the agency scene there? Were, was it sort of the obvious, you working with a lot of software companies? Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I moved in 2000. So um, it was, it, at the time, the dot-com bubble was still building. So a lot of my early experience was on startups and dot-coms. Um, some of the bigger tech companies like Adobe or uh, Novell, if you can remember that, uh, I worked on the launch of TiVo. Um, so a lot of tech companies, it was, a, it was a great place. It was a great time to be in San Francisco. It was really exciting. The, the, the bubble burst and that made things a little bit more challenging. But I think for me, that was a, a real pivotal point in my career to, to really learn that sense of resilience and, and what it means to go through those challenging times. And it gave me a, a unique perspective on media and advertising as a, as a result of that. But yeah, it was, it was super exciting. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm still really close friends with all the people that I worked with back then. And, and, you know, those relationships have, have carried through my career, which has been great. And I loved living in the Bay area. I miss it. I miss it. Now I did grow, I grew up in Denver um, which is why we're, we're back now. My family's still out here. And, 
obviously I love to ski and head up to the mountains every time, every minute I can. So, um, but yeah, I still miss it. It's a great place. Sam, I know you got onboarded during the uh, pandemic, but has there been a kind of a highlight or something that really stood out during your short time? Well, I think the, the you know, the thing that I love about our industry is that, it, you know, it's a, it's a team business. It's a people business and, and we're all part of teams. And just, I think the, the, some of the things that have really stood out to me is just, you know, in pitching and how those teams are coming together and, and we're, you know, we're, we're pitching to businesses, which is, you know, as we all know, kind of a high stress moment and doing that remotely creates even more stress in some ways. Um, but the ability to come together as a team to pull together the materials to pitch and then have those meetings with clients. To me, those are some of the best things that we've been doing so far this year. I think, um, the, the, the work that our productivity task force is doing and as we explore uh, those ideas of serendipity and, and know-how I think has been really great to me and just seeing that sense of agility and resilience as we make those changes in real time has been really, really exciting over the last uh, couple of weeks, couple of months. So you have quite a few kind of uh, marquee clients that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you mind sharing with our viewers who are Can I give us a couple of examples of clients you're particularly proud of? Yeah, I mean, we have a wide range of clients. We have, you know, large clients like, a, like a, a Facebook. Um, we have large clients like LinkedIn. We have B2B clients like Procore. We have Skechers. Um, and then we have a number of like startup clients like Precision Nutrition and, and smaller clients that are more going directly B2C and have a, have a different business model. And I think what's really exciting to me about that is that you know, when we're working with those smaller clients, everything happens much faster. They're less adverse to risk and we're learning new things at a much faster rate than we are for some of our larger enterprise clients. And so we've been able to set up a system whereby we can take the learnings from the, the, the less risk averse clients and start to apply those or to the, to the clients that are a little bit risk averse. And, and that takes a lot of that risk and that fear and uncertainty off, off the table, which is incredibly exciting. And to see how things happen at, at a really fast pace on those smaller, hungrier clients and seeing how that can then unlock really big performance gains for our larger clients is, is really fun. Uh, Sam, have you noticed a greater push for authenticity in marketing? And, yeah. and, and are, are there ways that you're addressing that in particular within your role? Yeah, for sure. I think anytime, you know, regardless of, of how you feel politically, what we're seeing is less and less trust in, in standard institutions. And people are now transferring that trust to brands, which means brands have to be more authentic. They have to be true to who they are. And that's certainly been happening for the last few years. I also think that, you know, if you go back through business, there's been an interesting sort of evolution as, as like in the 80s when it was all about quality and Six Sigma and Kaizen, and through the 90s, as you started to move into digital, the, the early 2000s as innovation became really, really important. And now that's evolved to where products are really, really great. Brands need to look to something else to build those emotional connections with consumers. And, and authenticity certainly is that. I think in the digital environment, where that comes to, comes where we really start to feel that is in, is in privacy issues and making sure that we're being very trusted with, with the data that's shared with us and we're creating that value exchange so that consumers know that we're not gonna use their data in ways that, that they're not gonna be comfortable with, that as a brand, we're, we wanna 
build those more emotional connections with them. So that means that we're not going to advertise in certain environments, that we're going to look at digital media in a very specific way. And, and protecting that authenticity through media is incredibly important and a big part of what we think about from a, from a strategy perspective. I think... I Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Sam, no. I think where it gets dangerous is around, you know, there's been a, a focus on purpose and brands aligning with a purpose. And I think there has been times when brands have lost their way and just aligned with a purpose because it was convenient and easy instead of really aligning with what it means to their product and to, they, to who they are and what their original intention were, was as a company. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I feel like brands do need to be more authentic, but in the right way, right? Yeah. I think they need to do it more engaging, yeah. more personalized, not only on the consumer side, but also in B2B marketing as well. Uh, make, there's emotions there. So, you know, at, at 3Q, you're doing both B2B and B2C. Uh, yeah. So you, you answered that question for me. I'd love to dig into some of the nitty gritty as far as marketing. This is the marketing stir. We have many marketing professionals who are listening to the podcast. Some of the marketing tactics you're using for your clients. You, mes you mentioned SEO and SEM. Yep. Are you also helping them with customer acquisition, brand oh, yeah. awareness? Are you doing display, OTT, connected TV? Talk to yes. us about some of the nitty gritty that you're doing with these customers. I think the, the, the big focus for us is, you know, a couple things. One, every client is at a different life stage when it comes to digital marketing. And so what we've built is a, is a growth framework to help understand where those clients are and where and how we need to migrate them into more of a, that full funnel approach. So it's capitalized and capital, our capitalized clients are ones that are ju just starting to dabble in performance media. They're, we're, for those clients, we're doing SEL, we're doing SEM, we're doing social. A lot of the real performance type you know, consumer acquisition type channels. Uh, then we have breakthrough and that's where you're starting to start to use that data, the data that comes off of those channels in, in new ways and starting to expand uh, beyond just those channels, understanding how all channels work together. And then our lead clients are ones where we're doing more of that full funnel all within a digital landscape. So we're, we're, we're developing performance creative, we're um, using display and OTT and video in ways to, to increase volume. We're, we're looking at the mid funnel and, and making sure that we're, we're capturing data from clients in that mid funnel and then reusing that data to start to convert those clients at the, at the bottom of the funnel. And I think what becomes really important and where we're really focused now is understanding how all of those channels work together to create value. You know, at the, as we start to think about creating volume at the top of the funnel, that's really, um, that's really about efficiency metrics and applying, making sure that we're, um, spending in the right ways in the right places and really looking at efficiency and as we move to the bottom of the funnel it becomes much more about effectiveness and looking at ROAS and ROI and, and, and more of the financial metrics around how we're capturing those, those, um, those customers. I think where it's starting to get really interesting now is, is how we think about those channels. I mean historically people have thought about um, SEM and even SEO as, as really bottom of the funnel conversion channels. And if you start to look at the role they're playing in the lives of, of people now, it's, they're really more mid funnel channels and they're really about margin management. And think about our enterprise clients where they're, they have, some of them have wholesale relationships, some of them have direct to consumer, you know, owned and operated stores. Some of them have 
you know, fully functional websites they're selling through and, and a, a robust app environment. So whether, where they're creating and offering new services and, and using search as a way to manage that margin by understanding who made that search and, and then driving that person to the most profitable environment for them to then purchase that product. For some people, it may be, you know, let's get them in the app and we get them signed up and they have more regular purchase. For some people, this is more of a wholesale customer. Let's drive them to that directly to that wholesale environment. And so I think that's where it starts to get interesting. And then thinking about how all the channels um, start to support that, that migration to uh, very specific margin um, numbers is really interesting. And so I'm kind of thinking about your uh, value proposition versus some of the other agencies. What sort of kind of the big distinguishing factor that you go in with when pitching against a similar sized agency? Well, I think our, you know, one of the big things is our, is our legacy and expertise and experience in the marketplace. So, you know, we were born out of performance and have grown up through, through that. And I think that's a, a, a very different point of view on agencies that have sort of found their way back into, into digital. I think the other thing for us is having that growth model in place and understanding where a client is and then developing the, the services and roadmaps to, to advance them through that. So, um, you know, someone comes to us and they just want to, they just are interested in search. We're happy to do that, but we also know how to take them to the next level. And we have a, a process and a, an experimentation framework to help them do that. And I think those are some of the things that um, that are a difference maker when you start to think about 3Q. I think the other thing is just our, our agility. I think when you start to talk to a lot of um, other performance agencies, they sort of have a house style in that um, they'll structure all the accounts in the same way. Uh, they have standardized approach to how they're approaching digital you know, display to how they're approaching search to how they're approaching social. And when you look at the, at the landscape today, every client is very unique and different and, and there's a need to create a unique structure. There's some um, forms of automation across the platforms that will work for certain clients. There's some automation um, that won't work for some clients and, and having that experimentation framework in place and, and the ability to test and learn in real time is a real difference maker because that's how you're going to start to see those large incremental gains. And it's always interesting to learn about how, agencies go about getting their own business and getting their own clients. Yeah. So I would love to know more about how your own sales and marketing teams are structured as well. Yeah, we have a, you know, one of the things that was um, unique to me and a little bit different from the other agencies I worked at at 3Q is it's just the, the strength and the scale of our new biz and marketing team. So we have a really strong new business team that's focused on, um, you know, just, you know, inbound client generation, taking on the pitches that come up, working with the pitch consultants, um, but, and they're tied very closely to our, to our outbound marketing team. And so really focused on creating the, the types of content that's going to draw attraction, but also thinking about how we productize what we do. And, and one of the things that's been, um, you know, I think coming over the last couple of the years, as you think about agencies, is a real need for flexibility in how they work with with clients. You know, some clients are are moving towards in housing, and and they just need some consulting. Some clients are half in house, half out of the house, and some clients are willing to work with agencies. And having our our product marketing team. To, to build and refine those products that are flexible enough to, to work across 
any type of client relationship has been a huge advantage for us. And I think having that, that um, rigor around defining our products and defining them in a way that's agile and flexible has been just a huge, huge advantage for us. And Sam, you talked earlier about data. Strista yeah. is Strista is a, a data company, so we we of course understand the importance of data. But for people, for yourself, your role there, for people listening, what are some of the most important things to keep in mind when converting data into actionable insights? Well, I think the the first thing is that there is a surplus of actionable data, and so. Um, making sure that you're identifying the data that's most actionable is, is the first step. And then using that to build what I call systems of insight. And so um, for me, I think it's really important as you're building insights to, to have that system in place of knowing here's, the, here's where I can get the qualitative data that I'm going to need. Here's where I can get the quantitative data I need. And here's where I can get sort of the performance data on top of that to help validate where, where I'm going. And so my, my approach is always to go in with a hypothesis and, and work as hard as I can across my systems of insight to start to disprove that. And so what I end up doing is a lot of um, apples to oranges comparison. I think, you know, historically people have been against that, but I think from an insight perspective, that's the, the, the strongest place to start from a right at, right off the bat. So, you know, look at things at opposite ends of the spectrum to start to see where, where that data, where that story is starting to tell and where that's, and as you start to look at those opposite ends of the spectrum, you start to see stories emerge and then you start to look at the performance data that supports that. And out of that, start, you start to develop real actionable insights, which then helps you make those purposeful choices. You know, in, in my mind, Strategy is, is really just a purposeful choice supported with data. So we're going to do this and not that because of this, this story the data is telling us. And, and that's as, you know, in, in its simplest form, that's what, that's what strategy is. And so um, really starting to, to as, you're, as you're getting those insights, really starting to unlock what that purposeful choice is. We shouldn't target this audience. We should target this audience. We shouldn't, you know, PLAs aren't working they're shopping in a different way. Let's look at using some of the other, you know, shopping platforms in a, in a new way. Yeah. No, don't thank you for sharing some of your data principles. Let, let's go over to marketing. Some of your, your overall marketing principles and beliefs that you have, Sam, that you've either t taken with you from other companies that you live by now. Love to hear those. I think, you know, one of the things I've been pretty fortunate in my career to work at a lot of different agencies. You know, I started at, at YNR in their media department, which became Media Edge, which now I think is Group M. And, you know, through that experience, I learned a lot of the science of media, you know, reach and frequency, how to calculate that, looking at audiences and having that foundation in the science is something that, that I've that I've always carried with me and making sure that like, you know, behind every single data point as a person and making sure that we understand the people behind those data points uh, is one of the tenets that I've always tried to follow. You know, it's important that we chase people and not technology, that we chase people and not trends and fads. Certainly those help to influence how we're thinking about culture and the culture in which audiences exist, but always having our focus on people is one of the things that, um, has been very important to me. And the other thing that I think I learned very early on is that, you know, media is a huge, 
expenditure and it's a massive investment for brands and, and treating that investment with the respect and care that it deserves is really, really important. You know, treating those dollars as your own and, and not just recommending media and really investigating every investment, I think is, is incredibly important. Um, and then just, and, and just being transparent through all that, you know, realizing that brands are making these investments to overcome big challenges. They need to know exactly where it's going and how those dollars are going to work. And that level of transparency and honesty and forthrightness is incredibly important when, when dealing with clients. You know, I think there, it, the tendency is to just, it, so, and sometimes shy away from those hard conversations, but really leaning into that and being open and honest about what you're seeing happening is, is incredibly important. Oops, I muted myself there. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, Sam, what's some of your marketing pet peeves, something that really annoys you when you see other people doing marketing? Oh, that's a tough one. Like I... <laughs> I like I hate to judge other people like I you know like I always we, we want names we want names Sam we, we need <laughs> you to point out the brand no, I'm kidding <laughs> there's always some reason why somebody did did something but you know I think when you know I think one of the things that bothers me now just because I'm conflicted on it is like this idea of micro targeting where they're creating all these really tiny audiences. I think the data shows overwhelmingly that that no longer really works and that, you know, I think context is just as, as important as who you're targeting. And so I think when I hear people start talking about all these micro audiences that they're targeting and building these mini campaigns, to me, I just kind of, I kind of laugh at it. I, I don't, I, I personally don't think that really works as hard as, as just aligning your audience with the, the context in which you're reaching them to create that more emotional connection. I, I, I agree with you there. I think as, as, as great as it is to have data, when uh, people want to slice and dice into hundreds of campaigns and yeah. nobody wants to pay to run that many campaigns either, but 100%. they still want it. Yeah. Yeah, it happens a lot. And, you know, I hear, I hear, you know, clients talk about it. The other thing I think is when people are just, just set sort of arbitrary numbers, like we need to have, we need to have a million keywords. Okay. <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> you know well, all right, yeah. we can do that. Like, but maybe there's another way to think about it. I want a million customers. It's like, well, yeah, me too. But like, yeah. we can help you get there, but it's not yeah. going to be $5,000. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. So yeah, the first question we like to add somewhat related to this is LinkedIn related. It's one of our staple questions. So, and the question is, I'm sure with your job title, you get a lot of LinkedIn messages where a lot yeah. of people are reaching out to you. What's kind of a message that you read and you actually respond to and accept the connection and what's one uh, that annoys you and uh, if you don't want to answer the second one because you don't want to name names that's okay as well <laughs> he already did he already did no, well kidding. i think I, I think the i, I think um you know the ones that are always annoying are the people are when people are trying to trick you into into responding like they they put something in there that's like uh you know falsely urgent or falsely personal 
And I, you know, <laughs> like, where I'm like, oh, oh, what's this? And then it's like, and then it goes into some, some sales pitch. I, you know, I think the ones that are always best are when they, when they have an understanding of our business and they have an understanding of some of the real challenges that I might be thinking about and offer an insight or a perspective right at the beginning that might be um, provocative and kind of pique my interest because then I'm going to think, wow, that's an interesting perspective that I hadn't heard before. It's definitely worth resetting up time to, to meet with these people to figure out what their perspective is on, uh, you know, whatever their, whatever product or service they're trying to sell. Yeah. You know, I think LinkedIn has made, made the word partnership such a bad word. <laughs> as soon as you hear it, you know, it's a one-way partnership. It's yeah. A, you give me money <laughs> and I'll sell you something. Yeah. 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 I think there's, there's a lot of that and people are, you know, and, and I get it. Everyone's got a job to do and they're working and I want to be, I understand that. And I want to be fair and try to meet with as many people as possible because you just never know what the next thing might be. Things are changing so fast. It's just when you, when the email starts off, that's sort of disingenuous. It, it makes it hard to even see the possibility of that, of that partnership going somewhere. Yeah, no, I agree. I was duped, duped twice recently well, on, <laughs> uh, on LinkedIn where, like, hey, we have so many connections. I would just love to connect with you. And I'm just thinking, okay, like we're just gonna okay. be friends. Like, what's gonna happen? And then, and then, as soon as you hit uh, accept, it's like, bing, you get yep. that pop up, and it's like, boop, 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 boop. and I'm like, oh man, I was duped. I should know better. I yeah. do a podcast about LinkedIn pet peeves. Well, it's yeah. not what the podcast is about. Actually, you like, know what? I, I got the best one uh, yesterday. It invited me to speak at a. Uh, it called me Dr. Gupta, so that was kind oh, of Oh, cool. beautiful. But it invited me to speak at a, a vaccination conference in France. And it looked actually, it clicked on the website. It looked kind of real. So I was thinking maybe they confused me with a different Dr. Ajay Gupta. Yeah. Well, there's Sanjay. There's a famous doc, Dr. Yeah. Sanjay Gupta, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, the guy on CNN, right? Imagine, yeah, yeah, that's where you do your research and learn a little bit about the company. I, I did accept, by the way. I know. He's like, oh, <laughs> that's course. a great way. Call someone doctor. That's a pretty great way to get in there. I love it. That's a new one out there. Sam, AJ and I work with and support a lot of different groups, especially that are focused towards students in marketing. Yeah. Uh, as far as the marketing edge, I'm part of the Direct Marketing Club of New York. Renew your membership, people. It's the new year. But also, Sam, advice for students coming out into this field, media, marketing. You've done so many different aspects of this field. They're very well-known companies. What's some of your advice? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's always a great question. I think, um, you know, when I'm working with the younger generation of, of marketers now, I think there's a couple things that I think are, are really important. And one is, is, you know, don't underestimate the power of the relationships you're gonna build. I think so much of, of what we do historically has been, you know, we're all people and, there historically has been a divide between work and, and life. And I think through the pandemic, that divide is kind of going away. And the more that you can bring who you are to work, especially in our industry, the more important it is. And, and to celebrate, don't feel like you have to put on a work persona and then your home persona. Like we're all humans and the more diverse and different and unique that we can be, the stronger our strategies become, the stronger we become as a, as an agency. And I think, 
uh, more and more I want to see people break through those walls between life and work and just have it all be life. And I think that that goes with, uh, you know, just it's okay to be a beginner. Um, bring that sense of beginning and curiosity to what you do and bring who you are because that's why we, that's why we, we hired you. And um, the other thing that I think is really important is just to do the work. And I feel like there's a, uh, there's a little bit of a, you know, in our industry, we, we are, it's a people business. So we're, we're selling people, we're selling the work. And the thing that's going to unlock, and we're all here for our own personal financial gain. And the thing that's going to unlock that the fastest for all of us is good work. And so if you commit yourself to doing the best possible work, you will continue to succeed and grow. And if your North Star becomes the best work and not getting that promotion or you know, making that connection, then success will become much faster because what there's a scarcity of is really great work. There's, there's tons of people that want a promotion. There's tons of people that feel like they need a, you know, that are super ambitious and want to get to the, the top of the ladder as fast as possible. There's a, there's a scarcity of people that want to dig in and put in the effort to do really great work. And that's where the most fun happens. And that's where the fastest career advancement happens. Yeah, I like that. That's great advice, Sam. I love the, also the fact of the work and home life. And I think that's yeah. more true in this last year because I remember a time where you didn't want, if you had to work from home, you didn't want any distractions. If your kid ran in, you're like, no, 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 what are you doing? Now it's, it's part of it. It's part yeah, of life. If your kid jumps up on you and it slaps you in the face like mine does sometimes and just runs away, yeah. just that's just part of life and just, just, just bring and just bring that i also tell students as well uh to or even people at a company you're just starting you're a new employee put some time on people's calendar the the Absolutely. other employees the the c-level executives the vice presidents like pick their brains uh, don't don't be scared to do that so i love that another question i have is jump take yeah. Tell us about Jump Tank and your work there. Yeah. We work with the students. We, we, we love that here at Starista and the Marketing Stir. So tell us about that. That was an amazing experience for me. So Jump Tank was a, a small group of innovators that sat within the Dense Aegis network. It was Dense Aegis at the time. Um, we worked across all the Dense Aegis brands, helping them um, with their clients on an in, from an innovation perspective and also a strategy perspective. At the time, we had a relationship with the MIT Media Lab, so I, I was fortunate enough to spend a lot of time going up to the lab and just working with the students there. And I think certainly that was an, a, a time in my career where I learned a lot more from the students than, than I'm sure they learned from me. And I think the, the really interesting thing was just to see um, they, were just, they were just doing whatever they wanted to do because they thought it was cool to do it. So, you know, they would get an Xbox and, and then hack the camera to create some new way to watch TV or to, to share data over through their television. And, you know, just building these really amazing things without the constraints of, of business because they were in this environment. And I think we spend, you know, once you get into a, a, a business and there's, you know, P&Ls and, and financial goals that you need to hit, the constraints become the focus and just to spend time with students who, um, you know, were just incredibly passionate about what they were working on, whether that was 3D printing, whether that was, um, you know, creating tools in which 
um, video tools in which autistic children could start to read emotions better based on how people were reacting. Like it was just really inspiring and amazing to see. And I think that's an opportunity where, um, you know, I probably took away more than what they, they took away from me. I think for me, it was very much like, Hey, this is a really cool idea. If you did this, we could sell it into this company tomorrow and, and bringing more of that business sense, which was in some ways kind of sad because they were so, they were so passionate about what they were doing. But it's a, you know, it's a super cool place. The work that comes out of the MIT Media Lab is, is really amazing. And I think it's because they create that environment where um, serendipity is at the forefront, constraints are at an all-time low, and you're given the permission and freedom to, to do and build what, you, what you're most passionate about. And tell us a little bit more about your personal side. What, what do you like to do? Any Netflix... Uh things that you've been binging during yeah. this time? So, I mean, for me, there's been, you know, the pandemic is stressful for all of us. So at the very beginning, um, I was, I could only watch like the, the great British Bake Off because it was so, <laughs> <laughs> like, it was so calming. I just, every night I'd watch an episode and it would just help me put the, the day behind me. And, um, you know, so I, I, binged all of that through the first part of the pandemic and then we were in fall and i just started binging ski movies and just watching as many ski movies as <laughs> ski I movies i want my two dollars that movie was that what was that one I, better off i watched that one yeah that one with my kids um but any you know all of the all of the ski, you know ski and snowboard movies that come out in the fall i watched all of those um one one show that i was super surprised by um was ted lasso i I thought, I don't know if you're, if either of you are into sports, but Ted Lasso, which is on Apple TV plus it's, um, it's amazing. And it's, it's perfect remedy for pandemic stress. So highly recommend it. To, I, I have to, not heard of that. I haven't heard of Ted Lasso either. Now I've, uh, you know, I'm a big sports guy. Now. It's great. Well, he, he, you probably remember it's Jason Sudeikis. He did that. Um, he played that soccer coach who knows nothing about soccer as part oh, of Oh, yeah, yeah. They turned that into a whole show. It's not anything that you would expect. It's it's really, really good. Oh, that's awesome. I love Sudeikis. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I love shows amazing. Oh, I got to check that out. Yeah, the baking shows I never got into. I get into some of those chef's table. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, uh, Shit's Creek was oh, hysterical so you know, did you finally wrap that up aj that one i did yep we managed to get through it in the christmas break so great left it's so good yeah no it's fantastic my wife and i we started watching we just ended yesterday bridgerton how was it did you heard of it it's insane yeah. it's amazing i'm like this is it's shonda rhymes where you know i'm not yeah into like all oh, the Grey's Anatomy shows or anything like that but I know they're successful I know she's amazing it's I was hooked I'm like this just looks like a soap opera sort of thing it yeah. was amazing Good. watch you Good. know watch yeah. Uh, yeah watch Bridgerton is great and the Queen's Gambit is amazing yeah that's on my list it's it is, my list. is fantastic oh that is a great one I actually did see that over Thanksgiving yeah, it's uh, look at that. You know, Netflix and Amazon and all these great services out there, and it ke keeps us through these times, right? It's it's been sure. it's been great. But uh, when you're hitting the slopes again, Sam, is that that's kind of, that's a great socially distanced thing you could do? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, I'll be back up this weekend. Um, yeah, it's nice to be out. It's pretty feel pretty safe. So yeah, it's great.
That's awesome, man. Look, just, just, uh, you know, that's our time. Look at that. Awesome. It fly, flies by. We hope you enjoyed yourself. I did. I did. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. We enjoyed talking to you. Again, that is Sam Houston, Chief Strategy Officer, 3Q Digital. I am Vincent Petropessa, the Vice President of B2B Products here at Starista. That is AJ Gupta, the CEO. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to bringing you more amazing content in 2021. Thank you, and have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening.